0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swarmcast, David Eicholt, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports Network with another Swarmcast. Sean, I know we're going to do our big season preview and final predictions next week. I know people are probably getting extremely eager about that. We'll dive more into the South Dakota state matchup, obviously. But let's make this more about fall camp. I mean, it's officially wrapped up. They're getting into game week next week. We're going to have media availability and you know, Sean, I feel like for the first time in what seems to be a couple of years, we've actually learned a decent amount about this Iowa football team. Obviously, during 2020, they had the COVID year. We really didn't get any access whatsoever. There wasn't a season for a good portion as well. And last year, it was kind of a hit or miss type type thing. But Sean, I don't know about you. I really feel like we, uh, we took away a decent amount despite some of the injuries and everything else that's kind of going on. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And I think having that media day, I feel like there was more,
1: more people open to those conversations, more people willing to talk about certain things when it comes to which guys are impressing, which guys, you know, which question marks are still there. Um, We had kids day as well. And I think some of those videos and some of those photos really gave us some idea too. And I know like we, we kind of overreact to all that stuff, but I really think that stuff that we were able to see live and that stuff we were able to see throughout Kids Day was was really good for us to get a better vibe about this team and what what can be expected um,
0: throughout the year too. So, Sean, let's dive right into our just our first topic. I know again, there's a lot of takeaways from fall camp. I think you and I could do a long, long podcast about. Well, let's just pick our biggest takeaway uh, from both sides of the ball. Let's start on the offense. I'll, I'll let you take that. Yeah, so offensively, I think obviously with quarterback play,
1: I mean, I know it's more of a basic takeaway, but I think it's going to be more consistent this year. Now, how much more consistent? That's going to be that's going to be up for debate. I do think things really look simplified, simplified within the offense like we've kind of reported throughout the offseason. Um, you know, how that how that kind of looks on game day, that's going to be one thing when a court, when defensive guys are coming coming at you, coming at Spencer Petrus, whoever the quarterback may be, likely Petrus. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think quarterbacks, when it comes down to it, they just seem, Petrus just seem more comfortable. Now, you know, like I said, going to come down to pressure and guys coming at him and how he responds to that. Obviously not the most mobile guy, but he seems to have a better grasp of the offense. Now it's going to come down to execution. Can he make certain throws? Can he make certain reads? Can he react quickly? All these sort of things that are still question marks. But I think you feel a little bit more comfortable with where things are at quarterback-wise as opposed to last year. I think getting another offseason for Beatles was really important. I think bringing in a guy like John Boomeyer from Colorado State was really important as well to you know not only give Brian Perrins a second set of eyes, but also give Spencer Petras another guy to rely on and be, you know, understanding of what the game of football is like from the quarterback position and being able to get a better grasp of the, the quarterback position, not only execution, but knowing certain reads, knowing, you know, where your receivers are, knowing certain offensive sets, and just having another set of eyes and another set of ears to, you know, really bounce things off and really grasp. Um, certain things within the Iowa offense that maybe wasn't really clicking with some of the guys on the previous staff. So, you know, I mean, Petrus, obviously, all eyes are going to be on him. It's going to be, it's going to really be what decides Iowa's season this year from an offensive perspective because we know that defense is going to be really freaking good. We know that the running backs are going to step up. There's a lot of optimism about the offensive line. Um, there are a lot of pieces there in place that are areas for optimism or reasons to be more optimistic about what this team can be but quarterback is still the one that a lot of people are like okay like no matter what we hear from the media and no matter what we hear from reports or kirk ferentz like we got to see it on the field before we can really assume that things are going to be better and honestly i think i think it's going to be the year where we see that
0: no doubt and i mean there should be pressure i mean this is a third year starting quarterback he's you know, I think his fifth year in the program, he's been through the gauntlet, Sean. And I think the biggest thing for Petrus is his mechanics. He just, you can tell before a play, almost right before the snap, or even right at the very start of the snap, how many times have you and I looked at each other right before he makes a throw and know if it's going to be a really good throw or a really bad throw. Like there's just that feeling. So I think Petrus needs to continue to stay true to his mechanics and not lose them. And I think at the end, of the season. Like I said, I think last podcast, Sean, you just started seeing phantom started seeing demons feeling pressure when there wasn't pressure there. And, and granted he was hurt. He's healthy now. And he took a lot of hits last year. And it's the offensive line will need to be better. There's no doubt. And I think it's going to be a very good thing that he's got wide receivers and more experience. I mean, the focal points of this offense, Sean have been through an entire season of football. If you look at Arlen Bruce, look at Keegan Johnson, you have Sam Laporta, Luke Lachey. I mean, there's guys in this offense that have been through that sort of system. But you know, you almost alluded to my my takeaway earlier, Sean is Iowa's running backs, that running back room is so confident right now. And there's confidence in depth. I know you know Devin Hilson's back in practice. I know he's been, you know, doing some good things. I think you have a great top two in Gavin and LaShawn Williams. I don't think that they're gonna be that sort of game-breaking type playmaker that Tyler Goodson was but they're going to bring something that Iowa needs more than anything else that's consistency now part of that's going to be due to the offensive line the offensive line is going to be better in my opinion but they're going to be able to run between the tackles better I mean we saw you know flashes of Gavin Williams last year during the Citrus Bowl 16 carries 98 yards LaShawn Williams 10 carries for 42 yards but LaShawn looks really good just sometimes and we watch him in open practice I think in the play where Iowa's down at the three yard line, two defensive linemen. I believe both defensive tackles broke through. And LaShawn just made this killer cut that you don't expect out of a 5'10, 210-pound guy. You know, knocked both defensive linemen on their feet and just trod in the end zone. And I think that's when was kind of my eye-opening moment: like, okay, this could work out. There could be a really good tandem. And Iowa's running backs typically over the years when Iowa has their best sort of room is when it's by committee, not by one running back. Yes. Sean Green was obviously an exception, but he was a, you know, Doak Walker award winner. I thought should have been a Heisman finalist that season, but then you look at Caleb Johnson. We, we know, there was a lot of buzz about him early in camp and you look at his physical frame. I mean, Sean, you, you, you interviewed him during me day. The dude's built like an NFL back already. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, he is so freaking big, and I think he's done a good job of picking up the system. But people forget Jazion on Patterson. I was really impressed with some of the explosiveness that he showed during the follow-up in practice. There's been buzz about him behind the scenes. I mean, Sean, am I crazy for thinking that, bar, you know, Iowa could probably go as deep as four running backs this season if it really came down to it?
1: I mean, I don't see that happening. I think three is more likely, but like you said, I mean, who's going to be the guy that you take off the field? I mean, Devin Hilson, before his injury, there was a lot of people that were impressed with him and what he could potentially bring. And Caleb Johnson, Jazzy and Patterson, you're right, Dave. The way that they exploded off the line of scrimmage or, you know, when they were handed the ball and their explosiveness right away and just how hard of runners they are and how physical downhill runners they are. Really makes me feel like, you know, could one of these guys really push for that third spot over Hilson? I know Hilson's a more experienced guy, granted, not a lot of game experience, and he's coming off an injury. But I put something in my bold prediction, or not necessarily bold predictions, but predictions I think will will come to fruition. Um, was that I would have at least two run rushers of over 700 yards, yeah, and a third one of over 400. I think it's gonna be Caleb Johnson. I could see a case for Jasmine Patterson or Devin Hilson, assuming that Hillson's gonna be full go and the Dell Bet seemed really excited about Hilson during um media day. But I think if I had to pick one, I think it would be Johnson. He would be more of my safe bet just based off how he's built and the run that he got in the kids' day scrimmage and obviously the buzz that we've heard throughout all fall camp has been, you know, really positive about him. So I think I think Johnson will be the guy that gets that third spot, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see Hilson or Patterson, and whether it be garbage time or barring injuries, um, to see get some run there too.
0: All right, Sean, let's flip over the defense uh, before we get to our question marks. But defense, that they're going to be good, and I'm am way underselling that. I believe uh, 24/7 Sports is Brad Crawford has Iowa's the fourth best defense in the country hanging the season. That sounds about right to me. I think it's going to be hard to obviously top. Alabama with Will Anderson the freak of nature he is uh you look at you know Georgia and I think Ohio State's got a good defense as well but Sean what what do you got for uh, our defense yeah I'm gonna keep this one short
1: and sweet because I've talked about it so many times on our message board but the defensive line man that defensive front is going to be very freaking good and it's I personally I don't know if there's a major weak link I mean, John Wagner, you can point at that. I think some people were underwhelmed with where he was as a recruit or you know, how he performed last year and his path to the rotation. But yeah, I don't remember. I think his main role last year was setting the edge. And he was pretty yeah. solid against the run last year. And granted, wasn't very successful when it came to getting sacks, but that wasn't ultimately his job. And You know, having a guy like came on that side with experience, I think will be poor. And Lucas Van Ness, I think is going to get at least 10 sacks this year. Logan Lee and Noah Shannon, those are two guys that are really clogged up the middle. I think Logan Lee can get at least four or five sacks this year. And then you talk about the guys behind them, too. You have Deontay Craig, who was injured for part of fall camp, but is expected back. You have um, Joe Evans, who could start, but I think it's going to be Van Ness, but... Joe Evans could be more of a consistent almost every down back guy or every down end guy. Um Ethan hercutt who was injured last year and showed a lot of really good promise before he got injured. Aaron Graves, um, Jeremiah Pittman, two guys on the inside, two younger guys. I mean, Aaron Graves is a as a wretch or as a true freshman could have that Van S type year where n- maybe not necessarily seven sacks, but the I think. Good yeah, it could make reason for him to have, you know, seven or eight. I mean, not seven or eight. I think maybe four or five or six tackles for loss are more realistic, depending on how many snaps he gets. But I think there is a case for him to be really, really important up there in the middle. So those are the guys I'm kind of keeping my eye on right now in the defensive line. And I think there's really not a ton of weeks. I mean, you look at this, this group and with the experience that have come back, plus some of the town, I mean, Kirk kind of said it. It's like Aaron really belongs with the older guys, and he enrolled in June, and that's saying a lot. And that's coming from class two way football in Iowa, where I went to one of Graves's games and he was getting double teamed, even triple teamed up the middle. Like, he would they ran a three four, three man front, and they had three guys, like both guards or both guards in the center were just doing anything they could to bring him down, and he still managed to get, you know, a couple, couple plays here and there. So, I think he's gonna be important. I think he'll he'll see time. You know, I don't know what necessarily packages they'll throw him in or what situations they'll throw him in, but this defensive line, man, like left or right, I this you gotta give major credits to Calvin Bell and Jay Neiman because I think this group is gonna be gonna be very good. There's a lot of positives with this group and a lot of traits that I think will will lead to success for this group.
0: Also, I'm not sure if you mentioned but YA Black too. Right. I don't know how I forgot him, but he was, he the, he was the darling of offseason. Six, six, five and a half, 310 pounds. I mean, you saw him up close, Sean. I mean, he is every yeah. <laughs> he's every inch, every pound of that man. He's huge. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. But I'll also throw in this. There are seven defensive linemen that played at least 200 snaps last year that are returning to this team. I mean, that is a ridiculous amount of experience. Um, you know, I know a lot of people get point to the secondary. I know there's a lot of question mark, you know, a lot of intrigue there, but Sean, this is going to be bold for people who followed Iowa football for a long time. I think this linebacker core could be the best that Kirk's ever had. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, you think of guys like Christian Kirksey, Anthony Hitchens, you got Chad Greenway, you got Pat Anger, you have Josie Jewell. I mean, you go down the list, but Seth Benson is an incredibly high floor guy. He's a great run stopper. And I think he's improved more as a, as a coverage guy as well, especially last year. I thought he didn't have a great year, but it was at least a significant improvement from his first year starting. Jack Campbell, I think, is a top two linebacker, top three linebacker at worst in the country. Production speaks for itself. Six-foot-five, 246-pound linebacker should not move the way he does. I think he's going to be a potential first-round pick when the NFL draft comes around. And Justin Jacobs is built to be an NFL-caliber linebacker. I mean, you talk about a quote-unquote breakout year, Sean, I don't really want to call it a breakout year for him, but that's a guy that if he puts it all together, he could be absolutely phenomenal, not to steal a franism, but I think he's a guy that's fast enough to cover a slot receiver. He's big enough to cover a tight end. Who's going to go over the middle. He has a good blitz package to him. I mean, there's so much that Iowa can do with this defense. And I think that's why Phil Parker's just got to be smiling right now thinking, man, I can do whatever I want out here. So Again, I think the combination of those three, this is their third straight year as starters together. I mean, you can make a case, Sean, seriously, that they're the best and most experienced linebacking group in the country from, from left to right, from all three positions. Obviously, you know, you have, like I said, Will Anderson is kind of that defensive end linebacker hybrid for Alabama. But as a collective group, Sean, I think they're, it could be a very, very special group.
1: Yeah, and uh, they're going to need Jacobs in the first game of the year, too, against South Dakota State with Tucker Craft, the, uh, yep. the South Dakota State tight end, who is probably the best overall draft prospect in the FCS ranks. And that's a division of college football that's put out some very good NFL players throughout the last couple of years and the last few years especially. So, yeah, Jacobs will be – he'll be needed right away. And there will be other times, too, where he'll be needed pretty – Pretty often. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of excitement about, too. So let's get it. Let's get into questions. Yeah, let's go questions. questions We still have.
0: Yeah, Sean, let's let's go to your question mark about the offense right now. Obviously, there's some obvious ones. But, uh, you know, again, I think there's a lot of intrigue about where this offense could go. But after fall camp, where you kind of looking at, you know, that you still need more evaluation on to really get a grasp of where they're at. I mean, I don't
1: know. When you put it that way, I don't know if this is a major question or it's just – it almost seems like a formality, but it's not 100%. Connor Colby playing tackle. I mean, last year he played at yeah. right guard for Iowa. Um, you know, saw a lot of time there. Started the last – I think it was last like 11 games, 11 yeah. or 12 games of the year. I and mean, I thought it was really good, but – you watch him in high school, you watch any of his high school tape, he's a true he's a true tackle. And Iowa has seen that, but they also have gone with the notion where, you know, you can keep him at guard to start, but you can also move him out to tackle. Start him in a guard, you know, get his feet wet. You know, it's I mean, it's a definitely a complicated position, but it's not as tough as right guard or I mean right tackle or any of the tackle spots because you gotta deal with different gaps and you don't have a guy to your right, um, you have a guy to your left, but you know you don't have a guy to your left and right, so that makes it makes it a little more difficult. So having Colby at that right tackle spot, I'm interested to see what happens there, especially if who fills in at that right guard. I mean, Justin Britt could have been a guy, but he's out for the year. Um, They've thrown Jenny Stunker in there, Michael mazlinski's worked in there, um, Bo Stevens has worked in there, Nick DeYoung's worked in there. There are a couple of different combinations where they can go, and I think they would like to have Colby at right tackle. But I think that right guard spot's going to be an ultimate decider too with where they kind of go with that.
0: Yeah, I like that, Sean. I mean, I think you look at you look at Colby at tackle, like you said, and his high school film speaks for itself. I, you and I both thought he was going to start at tackle, like maybe not start tackle last year, but he was going to ultimately end up a tackle. And I think when you look at the depth of this Iowa room right now. I think there's more proven guys in the interior than the, than at the tackle spots. And I think it, after what last year happened, you need to have your best five guys on the field. I think Connor Colby is definitely that you can work in Ellsbury and Ms. at those guard spots, maybe throwing Jennings dunker as well. And you have to keep Richmond at the opposite tackle. And then obviously Logan Jones in the middle. I mean, I think you really look at that, Sean, and that's a formidable front that can continue to develop and do some really good things. So I like that. Um, As far as the question mark goes on the offense, I mean, Sean, who steps up at receiver? I mean, there's a lot of question marks about this receiver health right now. Uh, I think it's a very good thing that Keegan Johnson's back at practice, obviously, and it's very important for him to play that first game. Remember, his brother Cade was a standout wide receiver for South Coast day as well, so there's some family connection there.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every
0: journey. But Spencer Peters needs as many reliable, proven targets as possible. Arlen Bruce, I expect take a huge step forward. We're gonna see how the rest of the room shakes out health wise because we have not gotten an official update. I know there are some rumors going around out there, but we're gonna wait till something gets official from the coaching staff on game week, which we'll find out either next, probably next Monday, when the depth chart comes out. But Sean, again, I really, really like Iowa throwing Sam Laporta out wide. I think it's a very good move by them, especially you know with the lack of proven receivers. I think you can look at maybe an Alec Wick could potentially be thrown out there. Jacob Bostic maybe, but then you get Luke Lachey's your inline tight end. Then you have Steven Stiliano's, who's played college football last couple of seasons of eligibility. You want know, to throw an Ass in Ostranga, maybe do some heavy tight end sets at the running game can be more consistent. There are options for Iowa, Sean, but without a doubt, who's going to step up a receiver. I think the talent's there, but the two questions are health wise and who can, you know, who can really take advantage of certain reps. So, Let's flip over the defense, Sean. Where are you, what are you kind of thinking about defensively that you still have a question about?
1: I think when are we going to see Xavier Wampa, former yeah. five-star from Southeast Polk, number one recruit in Iowa's class last year, um, you know, an elite, an elite player, future NFL guy, you know, all the talent in the world, probably the most talented defensive back in Iowa's room right now, and that's saying a lot with the guys like Cooper Dejean. Um, Riley Moss and even Jamari Harrison, Terry Roberts, who are more high floor guys, but, you know, have have shown what they can do in their early years at Iowa. So I think I mean, with with the cornerback situation, I think that's kind of figured out. I don't see X really playing there at all and obviously could have safety. I mean, Quinn Schulte at one of the safety spots with Van Merriweather don't really see Schulte losing that spot. I think he kind of seems to have it locked in, at least for the time being. I mean, Phil Parker loves his experience working behind Jack Kerner. I think that's really valuable, too. And then Dejean, who we'll talk about later, um, has had probably the best fall camp out of anyone when it comes to making plays and just being active and being around the ball. So, and I mean, Wampa could have really worked at that cash spot, too, still is, but I'm really interested to see how soon it is until we see him because, you know, from what I've heard, the talent is there for sure. He is probably the most talented, highest upside guy in that defensive back room, along with DeJean. May even be a little bit higher, but you got to remember, there's guys ahead of him too that have been with the program for three to four years. And granted, you know, he may be more talented than raw, like raw athletically, but those guys have the experience. Those guys have the the background. And they're the, not the, scrubs. Yeah, they're not scrubs. That's a good. Um, so I think we see Wampa in special teams first. I think, you know, I'm punting that can make a lot of sense for him. Um, you know, what, in what aspect, maybe as a gunner, maybe, I mean, him and Terry Roberts could work hand in hand. There are a few other guys that could really work into that position as well, maybe with coverage and stuff, but I'm interested to see how early it is we see him and how, you know, maybe they can throw him in different packages, you know, use him on special teams. I don't think he'll be in the return game, but I think there's got to be some capacity where you put him on the field. I don't know where it is, but you got to do it in my mind.
0: Interesting, Sean, because my question is in the secondary as well. I mean, for all the hype that are on the secondary, but who's going to start offset Riley Moss? Jamari Harris or Terry Roberts? We know what game one is going to be. Jamari Harris is suspended uh, for one game due to the – I believe it was an OWI charge uh, during the offseason – Look, Terry's not gonna give that up lightly. Terry is a very physical corner. He's proven his worth on special teams. Sean, if there was a, a all American for being a gunner on, on the part and on punk coverage, Terry Roberts would have to get it in the country. I mean, he is phenomenal. He's made plays on this defense, he's been the system, and he's he's got that kind of dog to him. He, he likes to talk a little bit, of smack. He likes to really, you know, have that point of attack and physicality and he can make good plays on the ball. But Jamari Harris, we saw what he did. You know, he had a little bit of a rough start, you know, when he really got the starting role last year, but really stepped up, had a pair of interceptions, really played well during the Citrus Bowl. Uh, You know, is it going to come down to are are they only going to have Robert start for the one game and give it back to Harris? Because if that's the case, what if Robert's balls out? They can't just take the starting opportunity away from him because he's done nothing to lose. He's got the experience. So I'm intrigued about how Phil Parker sort of handles that. And it'll be interesting to see how much 4 5 and how much 4-3 Iowa runs because, Sean, this defense is so deep and there's a lot of guys that deserve to play. There's going to be one or two guys that are unhappy about things. So I think that will definitely be something to watch for.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. The uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have at the end of the day. You'd rather be dealing with this than, you know, depth issues.
0: Let's go to our biggest stock risers, Sean. Uh, I'll let you start and we'll, we'll go from there to kind of wrap this thing up a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of alluded to it in the last segment, but Cooper DeJean, I think he is going to be a very good football player for Iowa, whether that's returning punts, whether that's returning kicks, obviously with, with defense at that cash spot, I think he's the perfect replacement for, for Dane Belton. Um, and when he moves, when Iowa goes to that 4-3 front with three linebackers on the field, then you can put him at that other safety spot opposite of opposite of Merriweather. Um, and, I mean, he he showed it in spring, but I think this fall was really a solidifying moment of how his ceiling, how high it is, and just how much better he can really get and how impactful really he can be in this Iowa defense. I mean, the big concern with him was that jump from small-town football to, you know, the big 10. And, He's really shown it so far.
0: Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how he really does, Sean. Because that's you talk about probably one of the most versatile players on Iowa football team in general. I mean, he was doing holder, he was doing kick and punt returning, he was doing all this other stuff, and it was just it, it's been impressive to watch sort of his rise. And Sean, I think on top of that, which is something we haven't mentioned enough, he looks bigger. I mean, he looks like a legitimate D one power five defender now. And that's something that's just really stuck out to me. Um, I'm going to switch to the offense, Sean. I'm going to say, interestingly enough, if you would have told me in June that there was a possibility of this, I wouldn't have believed it. But I'll give you credit because you were the first one I heard to really mention it. But Jacob Bostick on the offense, especially at X. I mean, he's got to continue to put on his strength. He's got to do a couple of other things, but he's got that sort of swagger to his game. And I was impressed with why I saw him at the fall camp. I mean, that's a guy that, I think he had that the play that stuck out to me during the follow-up in practice, Sean, was when he went over the middle, caught that ball. I think he got sandwiched by about two or three defenders, got up, kind of nodded in their face, and did the whole first down thing. And that's not what true freshmen typically do. And I was really impressed by that. And he's, he kind of glides in his routes, only to continue to get lower, I think, to really sell those fakes on those routes a little bit more. But he's got some good hands, and I think that he'll be impressive to watch. And another guy is Alec Wick. I think Arlen Bruce told me during media day that Alec Wick is a dog, period. Mark it down right now. He is a dog. He's going to be on scholarship in his career. Top end speed, maybe a little bit of question mark, but I've heard that he hasn't dropped a pass all all fall camp. Very good route runner, and you need that sort of consistency and reliability. So I think those two guys will be at least a pair of of guys you want to keep an eye on. But, Sean, let's sort of wrap this thing up. Uh, I know you got some football recruiting notes that, feels like it's been really quiet on that front, but I know you've been sort of all over the, the limited recruitments that Iowa is still kind of actively pursuing at this point in time.
1: Yeah, it's still pretty – I mean, it has been pretty quiet, to say the least. And I won't go too much into the ASA Newsome recruitment, but I think Iowa's in a good spot there with Minnesota, Stanford's battling. Um, one receiver, one target in 2023 that locked in a fall official to visit to Iowa was Jerry Abui from Tampa, Jesuit in Florida – if that school sounds familiar it's that's where Dane Belton went to school and a number of targets where Iowa has missed on in the past have gone to that or went to that school as well and it's a program that the Hawkeyes are really familiar with I think Iowa's in the in the leader or in the leader seat right now I don't know really know who else is pushing too hard but that's a guy with NFL bloodlines and a lot of athletic ability I think you can really stick in at that wide receiver position and um, really be a really good get, honestly, this, at this point in the cycle. Another guy is uh, um, Jordan Allen from Olay South in Kansas. Iowa and Kansas State seem to really be battling. Kansas State's going to get him on campus for an official visit. I think the Wildcats have really made up some ground there, but Iowa's still in that top group. He's a top remaining defensive line prospect or target for Iowa. Um, Bryson Ball as well, a three-star receiver from Iowa. Iowa's been showing a lot of interest there, and Still kind of in wait-and-see mode a little bit. I think some schools are still moderating him, but I think if Iowa is able to get him on campus and uh, next month, which is in the plans, then I think that Iowa will be in really good shape to land him. So I think as of now, Iowa's looking at three receivers in this class to pair with Alex Moda. Um, Want to take at least another defensive lineman. I think right now I know Iowa said that they're kind of done with defensive backs, but I think they'll probably look to take another cornerback, another tight end I think is a real possibility as well. Um, running back is done and maybe a few other spots here and there on the D de- on defense. I mean, obviously with linebacker, they want to get Asa Newsome from Waverly shell rock, but I mean, this class is in a really good spot and I think there's potential for it to grow. And I mean, look at last year. I mean, I know it's a different case, yeah. but there are names that could pop up on the radar that Phil Parker would be like, okay, let's go get those guys, especially on defense. Um, So, you know, you got to always got to keep an open mind with fall. I mean, Iowa feels great about where the class is at right now, but there's still
0: some finishing touches that they can put on it too. Offseason season attrition is at an all-time high across college football as well. So, I mean, you can really never be done. You have to keep those lines open because things can't change and blink, you know, on a dime. And on top of that, Sean, there's always during the course of the season where I know maybe guys that weren't NFL prospects at the time have a huge season, and then the coaches are thinking, you know, he might be gone after this season. He might have to go. And again, I, I mentioned Lucas Van Ness could be that guy. So I think there's a couple of other guys that maybe they'll want to keep an eye on, but Sean, any other final notes? Again, I know we're going to have a, our huge season preview next week and give our final predictions, all of my game by game predictions written out at HawkeyeInsider.com. I'll, I'll get your take on that as well, but it's going to be a fun season, a lot of difficult games. Uh, I think we have a decent vibe of the team, but 14 returning stars on 10 win team, Sean, that, is unranked going into the season that's a very very strange case to say the least. Yeah, it's going to be it's I mean I I see the floor as
1: 7 and 5. I mean obviously a lot of people can go with the 5 and 7, 6 and 6, but I think 7 and 5 is most likely and I think 9 and 3 is probably. I mean, could make an argument for a 10 and 2. We'll go into this probably more in the next podcast, yeah. but I mean honestly, I could see I could see either. I'm leaning more the winning the winning ways with the 10, two, nine,
0: three, but I mean, eight and four wouldn't surprise me either. So again, hawkeyeandstair.com 24-7 sports. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at Spock247, at Hawkeyes on 247, and be sure to subscribe to the Swarmcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everything else. Until next time, talk to you soon.
1: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good.